Hello everyone, you're listening to Game Rivals, a podcast where a Nintendo fan and a PlayStation fan talk about the latest games and happenings in the gaming community and industry. I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and together with Sean Templar, we bring you this bi-weekly podcast about video games. And welcome back, Game Rivals, to another episode of The Game Rivals. I am your host, Maximilian X, together here with my co-host and PlayStation bro, Sean Templar. How are you doing, Sean Templar? Hey, what's up? I'm great. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm good. Personally, I'm good. Um, how are you? Yeah, good. Been busy a lot lately, so yeah, it's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah um we survived e3 so that's a good thing yeah, <laughs> for the yeah. Most part. this e3 was a strange one so i don't know if i want to talk about yeah we talked about it enough but it was a we, strange uh, yeah we talked about it plenty but uh yeah so it's uh we're back on our regular schedule uh as you may notice um so we're gonna do the things that we always do we're gonna start off with news I'm going to talk about some hot topics that we had these past couple of weeks. Um, then we're going to go to what we've been playing, which um, for me has been a lot. Um, and then we're going to head out into our hidden gems and talk about some cool games you may or may not have heard about. Um, but first, I want to address a little something um, that hit the creator community about a week ago. And I'm going to make this quick and easy because, well, not quick and easy no it's not good um <laughs> i'm gonna make words. this i'm gonna make this uh quick because it wasn't someone that i personally knew but i knew of him and i've saw, seen his content before um as you may have may not have heard uh the youtube creator etika um was found dead in manhattan uh this past uh, the previous weekend um he had been suffering from some uh, mental illnesses um, he has been in and out of uh, therapy and well things took a turn for the worst and um, it seems that he took his own life uh, unfortunately um, for those who may or may, may not have known his content he has mostly been posting um, Nintendo related stuff Nintendo gaming Smash Brothers um, his, the thing that most people might know him for is his um, how do you say this? Over the top reactions to Nintendo E3, um, Nintendo Directs E3s, um, Nintendo Directs, and he was he was a special being. Um, a friend of mine used to always call him my spirit animal because he that's how he imagined me reacting when he I see something Nintendo related and. I just want to say that if you're out there and you're listening to this or you know someone who is struggling with mental illness, um, you're not alone. Um, there are people that are willing to listen to what you have to say. Um, please feel free to contact them, friends, families, even strangers. They're out there for you to listen to what you have to say, to make sure that you get back on the right path so that you don't end up in the same way because we've lost someone who was at least very special in the creator community especially on on youtube and on twitter and on twitch so i just wanted to get out off uh of the top of the 
segment so we can uh, go on to the rest of the episode. Um, but at least I wanted to have this acknowledged. And once again, if you are out there who is suffering from stuff like this, there are hotlines out there worldwide that can talk to you about any suicidal tendencies that you may have. So, um, yeah. Hopefully with this, Erika at least has some peace. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good. I just wanted that to get off the chest so that we, you know, it's at least been acknowledged. Yeah, definitely. It's good that that you addressed it. And uh, I think this is unfortunately an issue which is happening more and more often in the creator community in YouTube that people are feeling such a, uh, so, so much pressure to constantly deliver content or are, are burned out because of all, all sorts of factors. So it's important. That it's an issue that's been playing in the YouTube community for a while. So it's, it's important people are aware of it and people do something with it. Otherwise, this will never be fixed. Exactly. So, all right. Um, with that at least um, acknowledged, well, let's move on to uh, the yeah the news of that we've the news that is the news um, that's been this past couple of weeks. Starting with um, Sony being more and more about the censorship. Yeah, this is something that it's not. Be, I'm not into Japanese games that much. But this is something that's completely gone past me. Uh, but you told me that uh, in Japan there are certain games that have a bit more of a, how to put this gently, are more focused on adults. Uh, and Well, not necessarily adults, but it is more mature. Yeah, so it's a more mature content. And Sony's apparently censoring it more than they used to, or they're censoring where there's no need for censorship, something like that. But you know more about it. Um, it's gone past me. I have no idea this is happening. Again, these games, I don't think these games are popular or widely available in the West. Otherwise, oh, they are. it would get... But, I mean, especially if you go on Steam now, it's like even more than ever. Um, mostly of most of these things are visual novels. Okay. Um, so, um, you know, because mostly what you're doing is reading and you have the artwork that's being censored in there. Um, there was also an issue with this on Steam where they were just straight up blocking video games like this. Yeah. But, you know, due to backlash, yada, 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 they eased up on it and now it's flooded steam <laughs> so so basically on occasion when you boot up steam what happens is you'll see some of your recommendations and in between there you see some visual novels some of good quality some of questionable quality i think that's kind of like a trend these days that steam gets flooded with a lot of stuff it's almost like a funny joke about steam getting flooded well, um but it's the steam has been in the news a lot these past few months and it's also yeah, especially because of the Epic Game Store maybe causing some competition up there. But it's not been an easy year for Steam. It's constantly wound up in some matter that they have to intervene or that they're not intervening enough and letting some things just go as uh, about. Yeah, well, in this day, in this case, they decided to pass the buck to Sony. And Sony is running rampant with it. 
um, to a point where people are more willing to put out their games on Switch because Nintendo is not is just like, you know what, you want to put your games on there? That's fine. That is what the rating system is for. So, which is also the weird thing because it's not like Nintendo Switch is the only thing that has the ability to block mature content if you use the parental systems on it. Every system out there, the Switch, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, has parental controls on them these days. So if you want to block that stuff, you can. It's not that hard. And it's not that hard to maintain, if you, especially when, if you have one of those tech-savvy kids that could usurp your passcode. Just make sure you have a strong passcode. But oh, it has been getting worse to the point that even their censoring is so bad that you basically can't see the artwork at all. They might as well just give you a blank screen and say, and just describe in words what's, <laughs> what's supposed to be there. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean... I I can't say much about this issue because, yeah, again, it's not really my area. It's more your area because you play a lot of those Japanese games, at least Japanese games, not those Japanese well, games. I know I don't play a lot of visual novels as much as I would like to, um, mostly because they tend to be kind of similar. Okay, um, I didn't know that. There are there are some of them out there that are fun with fun characters. I actually played one a couple of years ago um, about. Well, YouTubers in a fictional high school, what? and it was and it was really nice. It was really touching. Oh wow, I can't play that one anymore either. Huh? That's unfortunate. Um, okay, <laughs> now that's for another reason for another time. But um, the thing is, in Japan, these visual novels are a huge deal, especially during the age of the PlayStation, the, the PlayStation Vita, and the PlayStation Portable. They made a lot of money for Sony because those were the only things that weren't being pirated. Oh, okay. Uh, funny. Yeah. It's the only reason why the PlayStation Portable lasted so long in Japan. It's also the only reason why the PlayStation Vita lasted so long in Japan, you know, until the Switch came out. Yeah. So, so basically, your Switch killed my Vita. I will never Yeah, it was for that. dead anyways, man. Get over it. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that is... I want to hold a moment of silence for the Switch, like a minute of silence for the Switch, so I can just process what you just said. Wait, what? Don't you mean for the Vita? Oh, sorry. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, so that... I mean, that is a... It is interesting to see that they would do that, but eh, let's see how that far that goes. Yeah. Although one of the more weirder excuses that we've heard from Sony is because the reason that they're doing this is because of the Me Too movement. I'm not saying the core reason, one of the reasons. But yeah, it's the same. It's like the same uh, reason they gave for crossplay. Uh, uh, when people asked them, "Hey, why aren't you supporting crossplay?" Their answer was, "Yeah, we can't ensure that the experience will be the best or something like that." You know, some some strange, dodgy answer yeah. you wouldn't expect Sony to give. But Even yeah. though I've had no problems playing with other people on Rocket League, except for the fact that people keep beating me, so that's you know that's discouraging. That's a different issue. That's just discouraging. But that <laughs> doesn't mean that it didn't work. It worked just fine. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's a weird thing. Um. In other news, Stadia. Oh my god. 
Oh my do you, god. Do you wanna do you wanna take this because I think you need to to vent. You know what the thing is? <laughs> People think I'm this huge Stadia Crusader because when Stadia got announced I was from Which the two kind of them. No, but I mean, with Crusader, I mean the bad Crusader, because when Stadia got announced, I was the only guy that was enthusiastic about this whole service because it sounded too good to be true. And what I thought, and I think what you thought or what we thought was, I'm going to get a game subscription for this new service and I'm going to be able to play the games in the highest fidelity possible. And I mean, we literally thought there was basically Netflix for video. Yeah, games. and now the 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 closer we get to launch, everything starts to unravel, and it's only getting worse by the minute, because now Phil Harrison said in an interview that you have to buy the games on Stadia, which we kind of knew, but you're probably gonna have to pay full price for those games, which I kind of knew, but you said that you didn't know, so there was kind of a shocker when we discussed this the other day. And then, no, because I didn't because I didn't realize that that was what that was the angle because again when they announced it I assumed that it was going to be a a Netflix kind of model. Okay, so I think people have to when we go forward and talk about Syria, I think people have to think it of as as this way. For 10 bucks or for, sorry for 9.99 a month, I'm renting a 4K game PC. That's the, that's mm-hmm. it. That's the thing you have to consider. And I still have to buy my games. Um, I don't have physical access to my games. So if Google decides to ban my account, I'm losing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if Google decides to just shut down Stadia, I lose everything. But you're basically renting a 4K gaming PC. And the only reason why I would be happy to, 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 to use Stadia is one, if I'm outside and on the go, because then maybe I can take my Mac with me and play any game I want because I can just do it through Chrome. Or, and it's because I'm a huge Battlefield fan, if EA brings Origin access to Stadia, which I kind of think they would do because it's a smart business move for them to do. and that Kind of like how Ubisoft is bringing you, but yeah, you play plus exactly. to it. Yeah. And then EA would say, okay, we're bringing Origin access to Stadia and you're going to be able to play battlefield 5 on the go that will be a huge sell for me because then i can play battlefield 5 at work or i can play battlefield 5 whatever i want because i just have to make sure i have my mac with me and a mouse and then i can play battlefield everywhere but then you're paying for ea access or, or origin access yes and you're paying for stadia yeah but that's a cost i'm willing to incur because i can also use origin access on my pc which I'm going to talk about later. But then mm-hmm. it would automatically mean, for example, that I can play Je- Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order for 15 bucks. And then I wouldn't have, and then that's a price I would be willing to pay for the game. Because, for example, what I'm afraid of with Jedi Fallen Order is that it's going to be this amazing experience for six hours. And I'm going to pay 60 bucks for it. And I'm never going to touch it again after that. So then I'd rather pay 15 bucks for one month and then have it be part of my. Uh, origin access and finish it and then at the same time i'm playing battlefield 5 on the go but that's the scary part isn't it because now if you look at it from that point of view there are other people that are going to look at it at that point of view yeah what do you th- how do you think publishers are going to respond to that kind of w- way of playing games right yeah 
They're going to put in microtransactions. They're yep. going to put in season passes. And it's going to be all bloatware. Or paywalls or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's basically, you know, it's a slippery slope. And that's why Plus, the stadium model as it is right now sucks. Plus what you're saying with the pricing, if you're going to pay 15 bucks for for Origin Access, just so you can play Fallen Order when it comes out, on top of the 10 bucks a month you're paying for Stadia, that's 25 bucks already. You're almost paying half of the game already. I know. For not owning the game. I know. But if I... But see, this is one of those pros and cons. And in this case, the pros outweigh the cons for me. I can play Battlefield on the go, which is a huge pro for me. I can play EA games on the go, such as Jedi, Star Wars, Fall- Star Wars, Jedi, Fallen Star- Order. <laughs> ah, all those names. Uh, I'm just going to call the Fallen Order after this. If I can yeah, play just, Fallen Order on the go, if I can play Generals on the go and kick your ass while I'm at it, um, you know, it's definitely worth it. And it's, yeah, yeah, that's all I'm going to have to say right now about it because I'm kind of scared to talk more about it because it's just getting worse with the day. Do you want to, do you want to hear the quote from Phil Harrison on this when, when this was brought up? Oh my God. I, I, I know, I know what the quote is. It's the strangest quote there is. I have, I have to, because otherwise people will not understand the gravity of what they're doing. Right. So Here's the quote from Phil Harrison uh, when he was interviewed by Eurogamer, which is, I don't know why it would be cheaper. This is asking about the full price for the games bought on Stadia. Yeah. The value you get from the game on Stadia means you can play it on any screen in your life. TV, PC, laptop, tablet, phone. I think that's going to be a value uh, valuable to players. End quote. Are you kidding me? So... It's already bad enough that we have to pay 60 bucks when we buy a game digitally. Now you want us to pay for a game that we're not even going to own? And we know how Google works. Do you remember Inbox? Because uh, I'm pretty sure you don't remember Inbox. Is that their mail app? It was a mail application, right? Yes, it was. It was supposed to be a supplement or a replacement for Gmail. Gmail is still around. Inbox isn't. Neither is Google Glass, if you remember that. Oh, Google Glass came back as an enterprise thing. A V2 is available for enterprises or is coming out for enterprises. Really? Yeah, uh, yeah. When the heck did this get announced? This year, I believe. Oh, I think okay. it's already well, let's out. Let's see how long that lasts. Yeah, but let me put it this way. And that's the ideal picture of how I would imagine using stadia but will probably never happen because they don't have the support for it now and they really need to focus on that i can imagine a world in which and this is strange coming from me because i'm a sony Mm -hmm. fan a world in which i don't have a console anymore i don't have a super powerful game pc anymore i can just go home grab a controller while i'm at the couch i turn on my tv my Chromecast Ultra connects me to the Stadia servers. I pick a game and I play that game in 4K, 60 FPS, HDR. Then I grab my laptop, I head out the door and I play Battlefield on the go. And then I come home again and I have this, I don't have a game PC anymore. I have a super simple PC and I can play Assassin's Creed, whatever it's out then. And I can play that without an issue. That would be the ideal picture for me. 
But to be able to pull this off, one, they would need to have the support of all the big publishers, which they currently kind of have, but not fully. And two, they would have to offer the exclusive games, which makes you buy a console, which they'll probably never get done. Of course not. Yeah, but I can see a way or a future for it, but they need to do something about the messaging. They need to do something about the pricing. They need to become the Netflix of gaming instead of uh, a GeForce Now competitor because GeForce Now is free in, in beta right now, so you can try that. And it's basically the same stuff. If you have a game on Steam, you just sign in with your Steam account and you can rent a 4K server and play it for free while it's in beta. Um, and then there's the part about data caps. We don't have that in Europe, but in the state, there are well, data caps. In, in most parts. In, of yeah, in a lot of countries. So that's also going to be an issue that you're going to burn through your data because you're playing a game in 4K 60 FPS if you have the speed to get that. And then for the rest of your month, you're done. Yeah, which is not good. Well, um, I've 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 read some articles and uh, yikes. Let me just say this: that if you if you live in a rural area and you're if you have like a one terabyte data cap, even if you were able to re- even if you're able to achieve the four K speeds required, you'll get through that data cap in twenty hours. Yeah. So. I don't know, man. That's just... Uh... You know, this this whole Stadia story is starting to look like Microsoft announcing the Xbox One for the first time and saying it's bundled with Kinect. It requires online authentication. You cannot, rent, you cannot uh, buy secondhand games. You cannot rent games. You cannot switch out games with friends. It's basically the Don Metric version of the Xbox One. And in this case, it's the <laughs> Phil Harrison version of Stadia. And if they keep this up, nobody's going to be able, What's going to happen is people are going to try it for the first month because people just want to know if the tech works. And then after three months for the suckers who bought the Stadia early founders edition, whatever they call it, then people are going to say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to extend my uh, uh, membership or my subscription because, you know, it kind of sucks. Mm. I don't know. It's just too weird. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, November is coming closer and closer. and We'll probably hear more and more about it anyway. So yeah, we'll see. And we still haven't heard anything that the their game studios is working on. We don't know what Jade Raymond's team is working on. She better bring the rain because otherwise uh, people are not, <laughs> never going to do that. Uh, yeah, buy a game that you never will ultimately own. And if the service ends, it's gone. Yep. Uh, fun times all right um so how just a quick question because this is related to the next topic how do you feel about microsoft buying all those game studios i have mixed feelings about it and we were discussing this before we started recording i'm happy for microsoft that they're doing this because they didn't really have a first-party support in place, a first-party studio well, support in place. they killed all their support. Yeah, so they had Halo, they had, they had Forza, and they had Gears of War, and that was kind of it. Yeah. And the last two years, they've been on this buying spree, but snatching up a lot of studios, which are all... Good studios. Amazing studios. And... Um, I'm really happy that they're doing that. And, and the reason is because 
and it, and the it's there's a, a, an argument to make for both sides by buying a developer you give them security you give them cre free or creative security you can say, you can tell them okay you know what um we have a, a huge amount of money and we want you to pursue your creative vision to a certain extent and you don't have to worry about that um not running out of funding or you don't have to worry about um, not being able to pay all your employees. It's a easier life than compared to independent because there is this, there's this huge pile of money protecting you. Um, yes, of course. Yeah, but the money is not infinite. No, of course. But I mean, if you want to do, if you want to make a game and you want to make a good game, you kind of get support to do it. Whereas when you're independent, there are far more struggles involved with it. Because one thing that I believe it's an article I read last year, that the, the moment the industry is in right now, it's the most thriving one from a developer point of view, because we've never had so many indie developers as we have now or indie studios, partially because it's super easy to distribute your game these days because of platforms such as Steam. Um, mm -hmm. It's also easier because game engines have become uh, a lot more open source or free to use to a certain extent, such as Unity or Unreal Engine or CryEngine. So making games has become more accessible, whereas in the past it would be this small elite maybe. Now it's more easy and accessible for people to create games and to distribute their games. The other side of it is that we get a lot of early access games. The, the market gets flooded with early access games and some do it well. Some like Astroneer, for example. Yeah. Astroneer is a great example of or it. Kerbal Space Program or Kerbal Space Program. But there are also games out there that just it feels like, oh, I have this idea for a game. And as long as it's playable, I don't care what kind of state, I'll just throw it out there and then hopefully people will back me and then I can use the next three or four years to finish my game and then hopefully people will still stick around instead of, you know, not stick around. And and I that kind of early access model is something I hate. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine. There's a new World War II game called Hell Let Loose, and it looks like this super realistic uh, Arma version of World War II. And it really, the, the videos I've been seeing about it is, is it's the Band of Brothers. If you want to experience Band of Brothers as a game, this is the game to play. I'm talking to a friend of mine. I said, hey, man, should we buy this? And he's like, nah, I'm not starting on that early access stuff anymore because it's just too volatile. You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know where it's going to go. It's so vague, you know? And then he's like, yeah, I understand what you mean. I'm getting what you're saying, you know? And yeah, but at least with those, here's the thing. With the, with the early access stuff, the best thing to do, I, at least in my... um at least from my point of view, is that if you see something that looks interesting, keep an eye on it. Don't buy into it immediately if, you don't, if you're not sure about it. Just keep an eye on it for a couple of months. Have it pop up on your Google notifications um, to see whenever they release uh, an, an update on their progress and see where the game goes. I mean, you might eventually get a game that's actually worth it. The only... The only thing though is that because of all of this stuff sony is apparently also looking into acquiring a bunch of studios yeah they have to do that to stay competitive in the current landscape we're in and i 
get it because it's been a while since Sony's done acquisitions. Um, and this is maybe maybe people will write this off as the fanboy speaking, but it is a a statement a lot of Sony-owned studios have made. So I think it's just the way Sony works. Sony is a really relaxed developer or a relaxed publisher towards its own studios. A lot of these people that, that at award shows, are they're always saying, and I mentioned this before, for example, with God of War and with Uncharted, the, the, when they got the Game of the Year award, they said, hey, I want to thank this and that. I want to thank him and her and blah, blah, blah. I want to thank everybody. And then they would always say, I want to thank Shuhei Yoshida, Scott Rohde, and I want to thank Sean Layden for their support and their freedom. Because from what these guys tell us, Sony is encouraging their vision. Sony is giving them freedom. Of course, Sony is also guiding it. I mean, there's a documentary around um, God of War, which is a really cool one to watch, which came out a couple of months ago, which basically documents a part of the God of War development process. And there's a part in which Shuhei Yoshida visits the studio and he sees a build of the game he doesn't like. And he tells them, not directly, but he talks to some of the leads of the game and he says, yeah, I'm not feeling it. It's not what I thought it would be. So I think we should polish it or we should change it or we should do something about it which is good because the guy is just giving them guidance and you know and he's still giving them the freedom to come up with their own solution instead of saying stuff like mm. hey you need to kill this feature or we're going to kill the game because that was generally what a corporate suit does it just he guides the game towards his vision instead of letting the creators do it so in this case i think sony is is one of those great examples of how an acquisition can thrive and stay on for a long time um but there are also examples out there in which for example the some studios are getting bought and then the publisher says hey i want you to make this game because battle royale is really popular and i want you to make a battle royale game and i don't care how you're going to do it you have nine months to do it <clears throat> here the game comes out <laughs> i'm sorry i i uh, needed to cough i meant to say ea ah yeah yeah because for example apex legends I don't know if people are still playing it or talking about it. I'm not hearing anything people about it. People are still playing it. I mean, not as much as Fortnite, but they're still playing it. Yeah, but that was like a surprise hit, but now they have to keep the Which momentum going. not what I can say about Anthem. You really want me to talk about Anthem? I mean, no, I have this analogy, no. and I'm going to throw it out if you keep on doing this. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I do want to say one more thing before we move on, is that my, like, it's fine that Microsoft is buying studios because they basically had three three four three um turn, turn 10, 10 and rare rare which they shuttered lionhead really yeah like a couple of years ago oh i, th I thought they still had lionhead but they didn't do anything with it no they have the properties of lionhead lionhead itself doesn't exist anymore oh, that sucks yeah and rare is almost the former not even a shadow of its former self yeah. Um, not to be like overly mean, it's just they haven't worked on anything truly worthwhile in a while. And the guys that made uh, Killer Instinct got bought by Amazon. So, yeah, you know, there's that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there is something to be said with uh, publisher uh, developer relationships where the publisher says, like, well, we're looking for this kind of game. Can you deliver? And they do. Like how Nintendo and Platinum Games have been working closely lately yeah. uh, for the past couple of, what, 10 years now? 
and they've brought us great games. The downside is not a lot of people played them because they were on the Wii U, but now we have a bigger install base with the Switch, so I'm hoping that stuff like Astral Chain do get people attention, but it is one of those partnerships where they don't own the studio, much like how Sony doesn't own... Wait, Sony doesn't own Examinac, right? No, it's one of those yeah. strange acquisitions they st- they've never done, they still haven't done before. But they still made the brilliant Spider-Man game. Yeah. Yeah, and that's because they've had a good rapport with Sony. The same goes with Platinum and Nintendo. Yeah. yeah for Honestly, example, I'm, f- I'm fine with acquisition as long as they don't buy everything. For I would, for example, Bioware, I would consider them a bad example of how it's not supposed to be. And people yeah. would say, hey, that's strange because the first few years Bioware was bought by EA, they did well. I mean... They did the whole initial Mass Effect trilogy franchise, which was good. They had hit or miss success with Dragon Age because the first Dragon Age was really good. The second one was a bit less. The third one was a mm. bit good. The Knights of the Old Republic uh, MMO they did was good. And then it started to decline and then they made it free to play. And they've been supporting that game a lot. But mm. um, for example, Mass Effect Andromeda was a huge issue. Anthem was a huge issue. And in this case, it's partially clear to why those games haven't lived up to the expectation. But it's not because um, uh, the developer knew what they wanted to do. They lacked guidance or they had initial internal struggles or they had struggles from the outside or pressure from the outside telling them, hey, these are things we want you to incorporate into the game. So kind of forced to do it. So, yeah, I mean, for example, Pandemic is a studio EA also bought at the same time when they bought Bioware. Ooh. Pandemic doesn't exist anymore. Whereas before Ooh. the acquisition... Did, did you did you have to twist the knife, man? Sorry, man. Pandemic made great games. For example, Mercenaries. Yes, they I did. loved Mercenaries. I played that game and on the, the original PS2. And the original Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah, the first two were amazing games. And then they, bought, they were bought by EA. They did Mercenaries 2, which kind of sucked. And then and Saboteur. they did Saboteur, which initially, when I saw that game for the first time, looked really it interesting. Looked re- it looked really cool. I really loved the idea behind it, the art style, the idea. It was really cool. Flopped, and then they killed it. They killed the whole studio. Yeah. Yeah, man, that is the that is uh, that is not the kind of stuff that you want to hear, but it is the reality, unfortunately. But these things also cause indie developers to to appear, so. There's always hope. Yeah, true. All right. Um, like, are there any out there anything else you want to talk about in the news before we move on? Anything that caught your fancy? I'm good. Okay. All right. Um, that's all the news. That is the news, and stick around. And we'll be back with what we've been playing. <laughs> Alrighty, welcome back everybody to our second segment. What have you been playing? What have you been playing, Max? You want the long version or the short version? I'm going to give you 15 minutes to talk about whatever you want, and then I'm going to talk about what I want. So your 15 minutes start right now. All right. Um, I've been playing a lot of games because there have been a lot of games that came out the past couple of weeks. Um, so I'm just going to start with the one that I want to talk about. Um, 
I think I talked about, about it last time as well, but I played more of it. Cadence of Hyrule. Oh, God. I'm going to keep it real simple. Oh, you're not going to do the full title. I thought you were going to do the full title. Cadence Are of you Hyrule, kidding me? I need... No, no. There is, there, is, there is a finite amount of time, and <laughs> I don't want to take that level of breath to say the whole freaking title. Okay. No. Cadence of Hyrule. Awesome game. One. If you've played Crypt of the Necrodancer, it feels a bit different <laughs> because it um, because it's well, it's easier than Crypt of the Necrodancer because that one is a bit more mm, uh, because it because of the randomness of whenever you die, the level changes constantly, which is not something that always happens in Cadence of Hyrule. But if you are into rhythm game, rhythm action games. This is totally one to pick up. I'm finally at the boss, or I have been at the boss for quite some time. But um, the first battle was weird. And it was random. And it took me a lot of tries to finally beat what I thought was the boss. And then the boss ran away. And then I got a random... Now, now I'm at a part that actually feels like Crypt of the Necrodancer. And I've been dying a lot, so... Here's the hoping that hopefully this week I will be able to finally beat that game because it got hard really quickly. So, I'm still enjoying it, mostly because of the whimsy of the Zelda franchise and the remixes of the music is so amazing. I want this on my on on my Apple Music or my Spotify, whatever. Is it not whatever available to Spotify? Generally, no, are. it's not available for streaming anywhere. Oh, <laughs> it makes me so frustrated, and it's such a good soundtrack. Oh, man. I want people to at least listen to it. Maybe you should. If you're not going to play the game, at least listen mic. to the soundtrack. It's amazing. Or maybe you should just record it with your with your microphone. Uh, I don't have my switch with me. I would have given you like whatever, but um. Yeah, so that's what I've been that's what I've been playing um trying to finish that game. What I've also been playing is a quick disclosure. This is a game that I did kickstart back when it was announced, which has finally come out, which is Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, which is a spiritual successor to the Castlevania game, specifically the ones of the Symphony of the Night style. So what they also tend to lovingly call the Igavanias. And it is it is a Castlevania game. If you've been jonesing for that kind of Castlevania game, then yeah, you can't go wrong with Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. However, depending on which system you buy it on, um, your mileage may vary. I got the Switch version for my backer reward. Um, it does not run at 60 frames per second, but it runs at a solid 30 frames. And it has issues like input lag, what? which suck. Okay. Yeah. Um, apparently, across the board, there are a bunch of like crashes that are happening with the game and text missing here and there. But the Switch got the brunt of the technical issues. Outside of the fact that they had to downgrade the visuals so that it would work on Switch. It is an Unreal Engine 4 game, but 
they didn't make the game with the Switch in mind when they announced it. It was originally going to come to the Wii U and the Vita. They quickly canceled those versions because, well, the Vita was dead by that time. And, well, the Wii U was soon to follow. So, you know. But um, they finally brought it out on Switch. It is a fun game when it's not being weird. It's only crashed on me once and only once. Um, but the, the button input lag is kind of a, is kind of a problem when it comes to, if you're in a boss battle and you're trying to jump over the boss and it's not registering your button input and you die because of that, that's no bueno. But is that, is the input lag not something they can fix with an update or something like that? That is literally when the switch version got released, they put out a statement that they said that they were putting all their resources into fixing the Switch version. Why did they release the Switch version if it has kind of a game-breaking issue? Because I think... The thing is, they promised that they would release the games simultaneously, and even that they didn't hit. Because it came out a week later on Switch. Okay. And these problems were there before they released it. So it's kind of weird that they would do that and not address it. Is it a Switch only issue or other platforms also having the issue? No, other platforms have the crashing issues as well, but they don't have the input lag issue. Okay. Strange. Yeah. I mean, they also have some, depending on which version you're playing it on either base PlayStation 4 or Xbox One S, they have some weird frame rate issues, so it's not a solid 60. Oh. Apparently, the only system that's able to do that is the PlayStation 4 Pro. But the Xbox One X version does do native 4K. Okay, nice. And on PlayStation 4 Pro, it's 1080p. What can I say? Uh, There's nothing. So they traded in for the place the 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 4 Pro. They traded it in for performance, and with the One X, they went for visual fidelity. So you know, I and. It's kind of off track, but I like it when developers give you the option to choose what you want. For example, yeah. with I know that the Tomb Raider games have that. God of War has that. Um, you can either say, okay, I want max fidelity or I want max performance, as in I want 60 FPS. I remember with God of War, I said, hey, give me just the, the most pretty graphics you can give me. And I really didn't mind it wasn't running at 60 FPS. So I really like it when I just get to choose what I want. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean so that I mean I'll give you a full report. I'm about maybe ten hours in. That's a lot. Um Yeah, I mean it is again, it is a Castlevania game in the form of Symphony of the Night, and I do enjoy those games. And I am enjoying Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Um, you know, button lag withstanding. And I don't even mind the 30 frames per second. It still runs smooth. It's, it runs at a steady 30 frames. So that kind of alleviates the problem somewhat. Um, what else? I, oh, man, I've been playing so many games. Actually, this is one that we played together. Which one is that? Command and Conquer <laughs> General's Zero Hour. <laughs> yes, uh, you thought I wasn't going to bring that up, did you? I thought you wouldn't dare to bring it up. <laughs> Ha 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 ha! Funny. China so, will grow larger, and larger it did indeed grow. Yeah, don't think about any of that things when you're thinking about something growing larger, people. But yeah, um, 
not just me, but me and Sean Templer played some friendly games of Command and Conquer Generals. Um, it is the first time we've played Command and Conquer Generals competitively in at least a decade. Yeah, I want to say. I think so. As oh well. my god, that makes me feel old. All right, um, moving on from that, um, we played some matches. <laughs> it was fun. Laughs were had. You don't want to. That's all I'm gonna say about that. You don't want to mention the five consecutive matches that I won. Well, it doesn't matter because we were just practicing anyways. Okay. Yeah. I'll so let you uh, say that for now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about I'm it. Gonna I'm going to get my practice I had off. a lot of fun. And that's the most important thing, to have fun. Don't get me wrong. I also enjoyed it myself. Yeah, yeah it's cool because I I, because I only played the normal generals. I never played the zero hour one. So it was cool to kind of adapt your strategy and try new stuff. Well, I, I played zero hour, but not as much as I did generals. Hmm. And... It works. It works. It did take us some time to actually get it up and running. Yeah. Um, we had to get um, what was the Hamachi. program that we were using again? Hamachi. Yeah, we had to use Hamachi to get it running because you know you can't play online anymore with those games. So we made up a VPN, and that was that was really weird to set up. But when we got it running, it was running smoothly. Yeah, like consistently smoothly, like no drops, and it. The thing that is, it made me realize that I miss RTSs of that kind. Mm, definitely. And I hope, and I hope we get more of that. I mean, we've seen Age of Empires is making a small comeback with, you know, the Age of Empires remakes and the the development of Age of Empires 4. I hope that's still so, happening because it's two years ago that the game got announced and they haven't shown anything around that game. Well, here's the thing. I'd rather be like, Either go dark until you're ready to show something instead of giving small updates that lead up to nothing. <laughs> Death Stranding. Let us at least Sorry, know that. I, it, had to, uh, I had to cough again. I meant Death Stranding. Let, let us know if it's still in development or not, because otherwise you're giving us false hope. I, they did the same thing with Generals 2. They announced Generals 2, and then they went silent for a long time, and then they said, hey, uh, the model is currently not working, so we're going to switch to free-to-play. And then a short while after that, they said, yeah, you know what? We're not going to do this anymore. And they canceled the whole game. Yeah, that was unfortunate. That was really a bummer. Yeah, and and was... I wonder why RTS games aren't made these days anymore. Is it because it's just... First-person shooters. Yeah, so if it's not a popular genre, because... No, it's because first-person shooters happen and esports happen and... Yeah, well, because a lot of people that I talked told this story about me playing generals against you. A lot of people either started quoting stuff saying, oh, China will grow larger. Or they would quote stuff from Riddler 2, such as, mama dears to your stations or cure uh, <laughs> of reporting. So there is this huge nostalgia factor with people. And a lot of people would say, oh, that's so awesome. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, I even persuaded a few guys at work to bring in their computer so we could check if we could play it locally but it didn't work but i mean <laughs> the fact that i got people to do that just says how much of a nostalgic feeling it uh, has yeah i mean if any game is to be remastered ea do this please yeah definitely i mean at, at the very least do generals and general zero hour then i'll be a happy camper oh man um I'm. I don't really have any kind of nostalgia for the other Command and Conquer games. Let's alert too. But I did see a hilarious run of Command and Conquer 
um, Red Alert 3 on Summer Games Done Quick this past week. So that was fun. Mm, nice. Tim Curry's a treasure, by the way. I should check that out. That man is a treasure. We should treasure him. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about that. Do with the treasure. Um, other than that, a cute little game came out called Mario Maker 2. Oh, man. Um, and I picked it up this past Friday. Um, played the, I played it a little bit around with it because it's not... A, well, you can be one of two camps. You can either be someone who plays games, uh, plays levels that people are made, or you can be a maker and make your own levels to torture your friends. I kind of want to balance the two, so I'm actually looking up YouTube uh, videos to make better Mario Maker levels that don't look and play like poop, Ugh. but actually give a good challenge, and then I'm going to torture the living crap out of people. <laughs> <laughs> that is the ultimate goal. Nice. It, can you but, share uh, levels yeah. with other people? Yeah, I have my, my first level. It's a very basic, very simple level. I'll let you play it when we um, uh, when we see each other the next time. Um, but I did upload it. I used to upload my my uh, levels when I was playing on the Wii U. Might actually go back on the Wii U and try and find some of the levels and try and recreate them in Mario Maker 2. Oh, that'd be nice. Because there were some fun levels that I made back then, so. Um, but yeah, I'll uh, let you know. Hope actually, what I also want to do maybe in the future is to share for those that do play Mario Maker 2 out there is to share some of my level codes with you guys and get your feedback on it if you liked, if you didn't like it, what you did like, you know, stuff like that. That would be really cool. That would be nice, but uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of what I've been playing. I think I might be missing one more, but did you finish Horizon Zero Dawn yet? No, because there I was playing a bunch of other stuff. Candice of Fire oh kind of put God, me. come on! <laughs> it's been what three months already? But I'm almost there. Just I'm almost there. Trigger, Don't worry man. about it. I'm Just almost there. That game. I'm gonna finish it. Don't oh, worry about God. it. Yeah. Okay, that's it. Yeah, that's it, man. That's well within the fifteen minutes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, what did you play besides Command and Conquer Generals? I've played two games, and I built something besides that. Um, mm -hmm. Formula One 2019 came out last week, so I've been playing that. That's right. Which is really cool, because now they've also added the official Formula 2 license. Um, so that wasn't there before? Oh, no, it wasn't there before, no. So they've added it this oh. year for the first time. So how it works is that you... Uh, create a driver and then you pick a Formula 2 team and then I it's completely different than I expected. I expected that I had to first finish a Formula 2 season and then work my way up to Formula 1 but what they've done is they've kind of introduced a story element to it so you're dropped oh. into different races and then you have to take over the wheel in a certain moment in the race for example in one of the races I believe it's the second race you you have rivals in this game which you take with you in formula one and then one of the rivals bumps into you smashes your front wing you have to pitch your car you get a new front wing and then they tell you okay you have to finish above your rival to have a chance at winning the championship so at that moment you're actually playing the game and you're trying to finish above your rival um, and then for example mm. the third race you do in formula two which is the last one i believe is that you have to finish above him 
so you can win the championship. And then you're constantly fighting it out, trying to beat your rival. And then when you, uh, in my case, I won the championship, then I get to choose to which team I want to go in Formula One. And then my rivals from Formula Two come with me, and there's a bit more story element in there. So it's they've they've stepped up the game. It, it, it's a fun addition. Um, I'm currently a driver at uh, Red Bull this time, and um, back to the Red Bull, eh? Yeah, yeah. So the funny thing is, is that for example, my first race, I was able to finish in fourth place, and in in real life, the the Red Bull car is fast but it's not fast enough to beat out the ferrari or the mercedes in a lot of the races but for example in the second race i qualified first and i was able to maintain my lead throughout the whole race and finish with an eight second difference uh between me and the second position which was a ferrari so it's i was surprised that i could win the race because normally that doesn't happen because there's a huge difference in the performance of the cars so that's really made it fun um and i believe either this week or next week i'm going to start an online championship with a buddy of mine his name is call of marty so if he's listening to this he knows i'm challenging him um the initial <laughs> idea was that we're gonna we were going to race in the same team and i said you know what let's just spice it up a bit you just pick a team i'll just pick a team and then we'll just face off against each other and um the cool thing about it is that you, there's a lot of customization in that online championship. So you can say, I want the full 21 races, or you can just pick, uh, pick certain tracks. So you can say, I'm going to do eight or 10. Because to be honest, there are some tracks in there which I really don't like, such as the one in Monaco or in Singapore, which are these really tight uh, city uh, races. And it's just really hard to race there. So he said, yeah, you know what? We'll just drop the Monaco one. We'll just drop the Singapore one. We'll just drop this one. I'm like, okay, okay. And you can also, for example, say I want the AI to be part of the race so that it's not just the two of you. And you can also adjust the level of the AI. You can say I want to race on specific days so that we can know, okay, every Wednesday we're going to do the race. But there's also a feature in that if, for example, we decide the race on a day and I'm not unable to make it, then just then the AI just takes over and the race still goes on. Um, oh. Yeah. And you, for example, also equalize the performance. And is the AI at least competent in that? Yeah, you can uh, set the difficulty of the AI. And what I've noticed compared to 2018 is that the AI is a lot more aggressive in this one. Um, oh, I've had okay. instances in which the AI aggressively bumped me off the track. And whereas in the, fir the previous one, they would be like, oh, can you please move? And now it's like, move! The ITC edge, H, get out the way, you know? <laughs> And it would just ram me off the track. So um, that's that's fun. It adds a bit more um, pressure to it. Uh, you, For example, you can also equalize the cars in the online championship. You can say, okay, you know what? From a performance point of view, these cars are all the same. So it just comes down to the driver skill. Um, so, yeah, I'm just really curious to see how it's going to go. I think we're going to do 10 races. Um, he's going to play with a racing steer, one of those pro racing steers, and I'm just going to play with my PS4 controller. So I'll, if we start the races, I'll keep you updated. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And the other thing I've been doing, which uh, kind of works its way to the game I've been playing, which is a known game, which is Battlefield 5. But what I did is I finally upgraded my PC. So I built a new game PC with a friend of mine. 
Lieutenant Moore. So how did that go? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> it was the first time, and I was at a friend of mine. Uh, were you gentle? Oh, he, we were gentle. Uh, <laughs> my buddy, uh, Lieutenant Moore 54, as we call him, we went over to his house, and uh, uh, it was my first time building my own PC, so I told him, like, I'm really scared to drop in this CPU because it has pins on it, so I, I, I just can't do it, man. I, will you do the honors? He's like, sure, of course, and he just, like, <laughs> he did it as if it was nothing, like, Rah, pulled the pull it open, bam, put in the CPU. I'm like, oh, be gentle. And then he just locked it into place. I said, that's how you do it. I'm like, oh, okay. And we put in, <laughs> and then we started building the computer. We got to the part of the thermal paste. And he said, okay, you have to apply the thermal paste. They're like, oh, okay. What do you want me to do? And then he talked about all shapes and sizes. And I said, isn't it supposed to be like a pea sized uh, uh, drop? I said, do whatever you want to do, man. And then I we applied the thermal paste. We put it in the water cooler, and eventually we'll build the PC, and then we were ready to install Windows. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Did you just say water cooler? Uh, yeah. Your PC is water-cooled? Yeah. Oh, okay. But it's not one of those water coolings with, like, the tubing and the water pumps. You have multiple setups. So you have the ones with the cool tubings with the lights in it and the huge mm. reservoir and, and, and the pumps. I have the one with there's just a radiator. And there are two hoses going through this massive water block, and that's the way it wa the water cooling works. Um, in my case, it keeps my CPU at a stable 30 degrees, 27 degrees, which is really nice oh, compared nice. to a, to an air cooler. Um, and that, well, what the, the fun part is for us, we ran into a slight hiccup in which when we started to install Windows, the installer would constantly freeze. And instead of properly troubleshooting what it was, moving from least invasive to most invasive, we went to most invasive. Oh, let's put in a new RAM. Oh, let's disconnect this cable. Oh, let's do this. Let's do that. Oh, la, la, blah, blah, blah. And then we just couldn't find out what it was. And we thought the motherboard's dead. So I called a friend of mine and said, hey, man, this is what we've tried. And we just don't know what to do. And he said, oh, well, have you tried updating the BIOS? And he said, well, <laughs> no, but we shouldn't be doing that because... The, the friend of mine, he had exactly the same PC with the exact same components besides the graphics card. And he was running an older version of the BIOS and it worked without a hitch. I was running three versions newer and it was giving issues. So after four hours, we thought, you know what, let's just try to update the BIOS. And we updated the BIOS and lo and behold, the, the computer started to work. If only we had known <laughs> sooner. Uh, yeah, so after that, we, uh, we uh, finished up the build. Um, and it works. It it's just amazing. It's super silent. It's super fast. Um, I played, and that's the other game I've been playing, Battlefield Five. And I've compared the performance. And before I could play the game at four K low settings, and then the frame rate would be all over the place. It would go jump from twenty five to forty, thirty, thirty five, and now it's running at a stable sixty fps, four K at medium settings. I don't know what I can do, how how far I can push it. Um, I'm going to buy a new graphics card soon. I'm going to buy one of those RTX cards. So I think when, when I have one of those, I'll be able to run it at 4K Ultra 60 FPS. But for now, it's it's really nice. It's really amazing. And I'm really happy with uh, with what I've got so far. Mm, yeah. Cool. Yeah, clap, 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 clap. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Nicely thank you. done. Nicely done. I want to thank my friend because uh, without him, I wouldn't be able to pull this off. So, uh, <laughs> a huge shout out to Lieutenant Moore 54. 
it's almost yeah, like he sponsored this video, but he didn't. <laughs> this video was brought to you by Lieutenant Moore 54. <laughs> but that's it, basically, for me. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to start playing Total War Three Kingdoms a lot more now because I kind of have a beefed up PC now so I can push the graphics on that. And there isn't a lot coming to PlayStation in the coming months, so I don't think I'm going to use my PlayStation a lot. Well, with Mario Maker 2 out of the way, the month of June is relatively quiet right up until the end. So I think for, in, for Nintendo, it's all kicking off in August, right? No, it kicks off late July. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, well, that's good. Save up your monies, because there they go. My wallet's gonna cry. Yeah. Oh, All right. Cool. Ah. Oh. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be right back after this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back, folks. <laughs> Okay, and welcome back to the final segment of this episode of Gaming Rivals, where we talk about awesome hidden gems. Sean Templar, do you have an awesome hidden gem for us? I do. Uh, I was just going through my uh, PlayStation games, and I a while back I bought a game which is actually a remaster of a PS3 game, um, which is called L.A. Noir. I don't know ah. if you've ever heard of the game. I have heard of the game. Yeah. I have the game multiple times. Oh, really? Do you have the Switch yes. version? I bought it back when it came out on the Xbox 360. I bought it on Steam when it was on sale, and I bought a used copy for the Switch. It's uh, It sounds like this game is my Sleeping Dogs, because I bought Sleeping Dogs on all platforms, I believe, or, uh, on the PS3, <laughs> the PS4, the PC, <laughs> and this sounds like my Sleeping Dogs. Um for those that don't know, L.A. Noir is a game that is made by Team Bondi, which and it's published by Rockstar. Um, at the time, the game had a bit of a controversial development because uh, Team Bondi was, I believe, unable to finish the game, and then Rockstar had to step in and then finish the game. And then when they finished the game, they shut the studio down, and there was some there were some issues back at the time. Um, the game was ahead of its time in performance capture because they used a special technique in which they would have this massive array of cameras which would take photos of your face and then they would superimpose it onto yeah, it, it was so scary because it looked so it's real still scary yeah yeah it looked so scary but um the, the the strange thing is when i was playing the game for example i always felt that the facial animations didn't match the rest of it. So you had this super uh, detailed facial expressions and animations yeah. and voice acting, but then the animations of the character wouldn't match because I don't know if they motion captured it or animated it by hand, but there was this huge gap in facial animations and the rest of the game. So it's sometimes just felt... There might have been... I don't remember... There might have been some basic performance capture for like basic stuff. Yeah. But um the most of the resources went into the facial performance. Yeah. And you would sometimes you would notice that and that would make it 
stand out in a bad way because you would think okay this there's something about this that doesn't match kind of what happens with a fallout game that it looks pretty and that the rest looks so dull or it's not in <laughs> place or i'm not gonna talk about this um but the game is based around that you're a detective working at the lapd and you're trying to work yeah. your way up the ranks um and even though the game is published by rockstar it is not really a classical game you expect from rockstar it is not a gta game or a red dead revolver game or a redemption game it's set in the 1960s or 70s during a time in which uh serial killers were 50s 50s in a time after world war ii yeah so in, in a time in which serial killers were slowly rising but they wouldn't be called serial killers i believe one of the the homicides that happen in the game is one of the Black Dahlia killers or the Black Dahlia homicide cases in that game, which was mm -hmm. a famous case back at the time. Um, and so you work your way up to the homicide division um, and also you're in other, other divisions. So you kind of work your way through the ranks in the LAPD. And the game is based around a lot of detective mechanics. So you have to research yeah, the crime the scene. Says, it's a noir yeah. story. Yeah, you have to talk to people the witnesses and then you can for example intimidate witnesses or or question witnesses or you can say hey you're lying tell me the truth and 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 there are dialogue options that have different outcomes um the game i don't i haven't finished the game yet and so i don't know if there are multiple endings but i do know that you can miss out on some stuff if you choose the wrong answer mm -hmm. um which was pretty easy to do because for as amazing as the 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 the, the um, for as amazing as the performance capture was, I don't know if it, I, if there are other people that had the same experience that I did, but it was kind of hard to tell if they were lying or not. Yeah, and I think I think that was part of the point, but it also meant that I tend to miss a lot, and I'd yeah. have to reload the the save from before that yeah. and go through all the steps just to get back to the interrogation stuff. Yeah, so that's one of the issues I'm having with the game that it sometimes feels too punishing for certain choices that I make. Um, but what I do like about the game is that it's it's not it, it doesn't have a huge focus on action. It's not that you're shooting your way through. It's not one of those action flicks. It's really a slow-paced game that just challenges you in different ways instead of, for example, you have car chases. And it's not those spectacular car chases, but it's a normal car chase. It's really a normal game. And that, in a way, makes this game really cool because it's not a game you would expect Rockstar to, to bring out because the history Rockstar has with games is that it's always brutally violent, like Red Dead Redemption or GTA or Manhunt. They're known for these really controversial games, and yeah. this game wasn't really controversial from a game point of view. It's more the development side that was a bit more controversial. But the game itself is actually a quiet game, and yeah. that in a way makes it cool because it it forces you to do two different things. The detective mechanics were really good. You would write down things in your notebook. You could all look it back. Um, yeah, we mentioned it, performance capture, facial animations. That was really nice. Yeah. And totally. the game is also, it's not the full 60 bucks, this bucks they charge you for it. I think you can pick it up for around 30 euros. 
which is a really affordable price for a game like this because it's an open world game. So you will be playing this for quite some hours. Yeah, I mean, that is put that one on the on the on pile of games that I have yet to finish. Same here. Because uh, yeah, I mean, I I will say this: I got pretty far on the Xbox three back when I got it on the Xbox three hundred and sixty. But then I want to play it on my PC because that that at the time it was more powerful than my Xbox three hundred and sixty. But I didn't get far with that at all. And then I tried playing it again on the Switch and. I just keep getting stuck on the same stupid beginner case because of the stupid thing where you choose to interrogate the, the 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 suspect in the wrong way. No, I actually got past that one eventually. How is the Switch version? Have they added things like uh, controls or touchscreen uh, mechanics? Not really. I mean, it's basically the same remastered version that came out on PlayStation 4 and Xbox 360. Okay. Um with maybe a little bit less visual fidelity. I mean, it looks better than the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 version, but, you know, it's not doesn't look as good as the PlayStation 4 or Xbox One S version. You know what's funny? I totally forgot about that. They also released a VR version for the HTC Vive of the game. Oh, okay, that's weird. Yeah, so it, it doesn't have as, lo- um, as many cases as the game, but they've released a VR version, which is... I haven't heard much about it. It's just something that popped into my mind. Saying, hey, I think there was also a VR version. Yeah, then I guess they did it on a whim. <laughs> like yeah. everything else that is in VR. Ah, you know what? I don't want to get into the VR. I, I'm going to give you one example of VR, which is apparently super cool. And it's only because a friend of mine told me about it. Uh, the same guy I was talking about, Lieutenant Mimor 54... Um, he's a huge racing fan and he's a huge uh, flight sim fan. And he's, he showed me uh, a game called X-Plane, which is the way flight simulator is supposed to be from what I've seen, because it has this massive community that that works on the game, that that supports it through mods and extensions, such as high-risk textures or weather effects, or for example whole airports that they just build and an offer for people so that they can download it into their games. And he told me that he's even gone so far as to buy a joystick and flight controls for his setup. And he says that playing that game in VR is one of the best experiences for VR because with one hand, he uses his Oculus controller to flip the switches in the cockpit. And in this game, you can literally flip all the switches um okay yeah it's it's so it's so for me it was really overwhelming but for him it was second nature because he's done it so many times but it's so cool to see that you can do anything and he said one hand is on his uh his oculus controller so he can flip the switches and the other hand is on his joystick and then he just puts on his uh his vr headset and he just plays the whole game in vr and it's apparently amazing it's one of those games that make vr shine and the same goes for racing games he plays a game called Assetto Corsa uh, Competizione, which is this uh, GT3. GT3 is a race class, uh, just like Formula One. And he also plays that in VR, or says that people have played it in VR, and it's also one of those games that shines in VR. That's funny, because I wouldn't expect these games to make VR shine, because it's not really a... It, it, they're kind of niche games. It's not one of those 
triple A games made by a huge publisher that you've all heard of. Um, You've even told me, for example, with the X-Plane that it's so expansive that he can, he started his own company in the game and he has his airplanes flying between routes, um, earning him money. It's so expansive that he can just put hours into this game. And it's, it's apparently so amazing I'm not into flight simulators, but because he's so enthusiastic about it, I would almost want to buy this game and play it. <laughs> it he's so happy. Ah, that's how they get you. Yeah. It, it's, well, he's, he's, the other day when we were building the PC, we didn't have time. Otherwise, he said, like, today you're going to get to try out X-Plane in VR. And we didn't have time for it, but I'm going to definitely try it out next time because it, it looked so amazing. He just showed me really basically uh how it is with a mouse and keyboard which is terrible you should definitely not play with a mouse and keyboard but you just show me quickly hey look i can flip these dials and i can do switches and i can uh, lift off and then he of course crashed playing because he can't fly with the keyboard and a mouse but it's just <laughs> that it's i never thought i'd be so amazed by a flight simulator game okay wow yeah sounds exciting it, it really is at least when you talk yeah. to him it really is Glowing endorsement. Wow, that's yeah. uh, that's what two games already. Yeah. Nice. All right. Cool. So for me, um, this will be the third time I'm talking about another portable game. This, but this one, this one is special because I don't think you can. I think this one is probably hard to get now. Um, it's a DS title called Ghost Trick. And this game came out in the tail end of the DS's lifespan, um, shortly before the 3DS came out. And the title sounds weird, but it's a detective game. So we're two for two on detective games in this in this hidden in this hidden gem. But this one has a unique twist. And the fun part is, You're I dead. didn't even know there was. We never discussed these hidden gems, so that's the fun yeah. part. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. But you're dead. What? Yeah. You're a detective. And in the first five minutes of the game, you find out that you're dead. Okay. It's called Ghost and Trick? Phantom yeah, detective? Ghost Trick. Yeah. Okay. And the first thing you do is you realize that you're dead and that you're a ghost. And you find out that there are certain devices that you can possess by using your ghost trick, as it's called in the game. You can't possess everything. You can possess only specific things. And you can move from object to object. And the whole point of the game is to find out who killed you and why. And it's a very interesting storyline. You meet a lot of people other people that have died in a ca- uh, in the case leading up to yours because it's part of the case that you were working on prior to your death and it is the most fascinating story that I've ever played on on Helmheld or otherwise um I don't want to spoil a lot about it uh, so I'm not going to get into it but the gameplay mechanic is very unique because it takes almost all the strings of the DS. It uses the touchscreen to move from object to object. Um, I think there are points where you actually have to use the microphone to manipulate stuff in the environment. Um, As a ghost, when you take over certain objects, you can 
uh, like except for example, a light, you can switch it on, or if you possess a tap, you can make the water run, stuff like that. Wow. And there are other people that you meet that are also dead. Oh, um, okay. You actually meet the ghost of a Pomeranian who is the best, who's the best boy ever, who had the saddest death ever, and you're so sad. And I'm not a dog person at all. Like, if you know me, I am not a dog person. Missile the Pomeranian is the truest definition of best boy. Wow. He's such a good boy. And so high octane level. And he and he's with you throughout almost the entire game. Wow. And it's like so sad when you find out how he died because that's one of the mysteries you have to solve. And then you find out and you see the flashback and you're just like, oh, that's so sad. He was just a happy boy and now he's dead because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And you're like, oh. That sounds but horrible. It, it's, no, but it is adorable and it's bittersweet. And you learn about these people and and how they how they were living their lives right before they died. And you're basically every chapter is getting justice for the people that died during uh, for that chapter. And yeah, it's a really good game. It's a total recommended. I I don't want to spoil a lot about it. Um, it did come out in chapters on uh on mobile games back in the day i saw that it got released it, in 2012 on mobile platforms yeah but it got discontinued i don't i think like a year later oh wow so you can't even download it on mobile anymore and i don't know if it's easy to find in the used market and if you do find it it's probably not going to be it's either going to be cheap because they don't know what they have or it's going to be expensive because it's rare hmm. and if I could, anybody who's listening to this and they're interested in a unique detective story with a new unique gameplay mechanics, um, I would give them a copy so that they can play this uh, for themselves. Because Ghost Trick is one of those great Nintendo DS titles that a lot of people missed because it was it came out at the end of the life cycle, and that by that time a lot of people were pirating DS games, and that's a bummer. R4 that is cards. a bummer. Yeah. That is a bummer. Um, so yeah, um, Ghost Trick, good, unique detective game made, by the way, by the people that made uh, the the Phoenix Wright titles. Turning right. Yes, the same. Uh, the at least the director, at least the director and the executive producer, I think, one or the other or both worked on this title so you know so you can so you know that the story is there and the quality is guaranteed and it's made by capcom so you know back when they consistently make made good games instead of re-releasing stuff like they do now like they do now and occasionally they'll release a good resident evil game but it's mostly just re-releases now I wonder what what happened to that game they announced when the PS4 first got announced. You remember that with game the Fanta, with the Fanta the Panther Ray engine? I think so. With the dragon and the knight, and then he's standing behind some cover while the dragon spews fire. Yeah, that 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 was the Panther Ray um, yeah. tech demo. They were demoing their new engine, 
Nothing came from that, by the way. I think they still said that the game is in development, but we're almost at the end of the oh, PS4 no, 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 cycle. No, 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 no. That thing got quite. I think that game got quietly um, canceled. Got canceled, or you know, put on indefinite hiatus. So That's because funny. they because the whole point of that game was to promote a uh, their new game engine. It was around the time where they were everybody had their own game engine that they were working on. Square Enix was working on their own game engine. Capcom was working on their own game engine. Um, you had the, you had the, 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 the Kojima Productions game engine. Yep. That Fox. was also announced around that same time. And, well, then they realized, well, that's stupid. We can all just use Unreal Engine 4. Or Unity or CryEngine. Or Unity. Yeah. Who uses CryEngine still? Uh, I think um, Amazon have their own game engine, which was built on the foundations of CryEngine, or they either use CryEngine a lot, and then they switch their, their own engine, and they're currently in a lawsuit with Crytek for, or, around it. Their oh, engine is boy. called Lumberyard or something like that. Oh, that can be good. Yeah. Well, then again, it's not like Crytek has been making games lately, so woof. It's kind of a bummer because it did make. I mean, the, the second and the third Crisis was. I really like those games. Mm. And Rise, Son of Rome, I also like that one. Yeah, not a lot of people that did, though. Yeah, it's maybe because I'm a sucker an, for. I think that uh, was an underrated that, game. I, I think it's because I'm a sucker for games that are set in Roman Empire times. For example,. Rome Total War and, and Rome Total War 2 are one of my favorite games because it's just so um, it's so cool to be a general. It, one of my favorite movies ever is Gladiator. And when I play those games, I have the feeling that I'm in that era. Hmm. True. Yeah. That's true. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's about it. Um, Ghost Trick, if you're able to check it out, check it out. Look up some videos online. The, the the writing is excellent. Um, the gameplay is unique, and yeah, it's gonna be sad to be not be able to play that game. Um, I'll I'll try and track it down for myself again because I actually played that to completion and it was really nice. So I want to play it again. It's a unique game with a unique plot with a new unique sense of playing. So. That's a lot of uniques in one sentence. The game was unique. That's what I'm trying to say. Such a unique thing to hear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, anything else to add, Sean Templar, before we sign off? I just want to say we, we've crossed 500 listeners, and I want to mm-hmm. uh, thank everybody for their continued support, for giving us feedback, for listening to us, for enjoying it, for laughing with us. Um, when we started this small thingy in the beginning of this year, I had not imagined it would grow so fast. Um, mm-hmm. We're working on some really cool stuff with other platforms, such as a YouTube channel. So stick around for that. I think we're going to do more stuff in the upcoming months. But I just want to thank everybody for sticking with us all this time. Yeah, thanks, you guys. Yeah, um, it is really appreciated that you guys um, that are listening to us and are spreading the word about us. 
Um, we like to see the audience grow even more. Uh, as Sean Topper said, we're working on some cool stuff. Um, hopefully that, that'll come to fruition very soon. So, uh, yeah, please uh, keep giving us feedback. We like to hear your feedback. Keep sharing wherever you can possibly. And as uh, and give us five-star ratings wherever you can because um, that helps us to get discovered even more by even more people. Um, and get more feedback and have more interaction with you guys. Let me try to so, do the outro this time. See if I can nail it. Okay? You want to try the I'm gonna, outro? I'm going to try it. Thank you okay. for listening. You can send us your feedback or a response, or if you just want to reach out to us to on our, on our Twitter, at game underscore rivals underscore. I got that one. You can email us at gamerivalsfeedback at gmail.com. You can reach Maximilian at Maximilian. Mm-hmm. Um, you can leave us a voice message through the Anchor app. We have a link in the description and you can just click on it. You don't have to make an Anchor account. You can just drop us a voice message from there. And you can. we're available on all platforms. So feel free to comment. Feel free to give us a rating. Um, feel free Five to... Star. Five star. <laughs> Feel free to tell everybody about our podcast. Just spread the word that we're there. Um, and that's it, I believe, right? Yeah, that's it. Bam, Way I just did it. Yeah, you didn't giggle once. I. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I had to focus and, and suppress the giggles, but yeah, I got it. Um, yeah. So thank you all for listening. My name is Sean Templer. My name is Maximilian X. And we will see you on the next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.